Before we jump into this, before we jump into this, uh, I wanted to talk about mo- renting movies in grocery stores. Really? Yeah. Okay. Do you recall that being a thing? Eagle Video, yes, constantly. Uh, I lost count of the number of times I rented uh, the Cool Spot video game from there, and I don't. Oh, that's yeah. not a joke. I played that oh, all the time. Oh my god. <laughs> A soda tie-in video game has no right to be as good. Right? As that no, it's game stupid. It's so fun. We didn't have a giant eagle. We had a a jubilee. Um, was a fun name. Yeah, I don't know, like what it was, like what its parent company was, but I remember a specific memory where we went in, and they had the giant posters for Batman Returns had just come out on VHS. Sure. Sure. Uh, and I I loved Batman. I don't even know where that love came from, because I didn't have comics when I was that young. But we rented Batman Returns, and we did what my family always did, which is get a big bucket of chicken, which, like... Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I might be the minority here, but, like, I fucking hate chicken. Like, I don't like chicken, oh. especially with bones. Uh, like, oh, give me like man. A, I know. I know. I'm weird. See, me as a kid would have agreed with you because I was, like, the pickiest eater yeah. on the face of the planet, yeah. but now it's like, I just want to tear up some chicken wings. Uh, I went through a phase in college where I was just like, I don't care, just give me meat. Just give me the wings. But... Uh, especially at that age, and and now again, apparently, I'm like slowly going uh, vegan. I hated it, but my mom made a deal with me. She's like, if you eat your chicken, like just a drumstick, you can watch Batman Returns. But we were not watching it Sold. until you right, and like it was miserable, and I hated it, and I was just like, like I ate the skin immediately because I'm like, I can get that down, which is a mistake because you need to use that as like a barrier between the chicken and your tongue. Yeah, but I fucked up. I was a child. You learn. This is how you learn. Right. Uh, but I did it. I ate. I ate it, and I was like, "It was cold. It was cold by the time I had finished it." But I'm like, "All right, let's watch. Let's, let's watch some Batman Returns." I was like, maybe, I mean, like five, I think. Around then, yeah. yeah. And I don't know if anybody's watched Batman Returns lately, but it is not a children's movie. <laughs> no, at all. Batman I, kills a guy for a gag. <laughs> we talked about this before. So, like, because we're Americans, we don't mind violence as much. Yeah. Um, but sex. Oh my God. Not allowed. Uh, not Illegal. allowed. Uh, e- illegal. <laughs> So, seeing Catwoman, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman in, like, tight plastic sewn to her body went over my head as a child. But uh, it all went over my head. And that's kind of what the point I'm, I want to make. There's a scene where Catwoman is kind of not really seducing Penguin. More so like Danny DeVito's Penguin. She's like, ah, is that joke? A weirdly horny penguin, I might add. Super horny. I don't... I mean, he's, like, vaguely horny in the comics, but not like that. Not like that. No. no. Um, and she puts the canary in her mouth. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, like, lets it go. But there's a lot of... She, and she ties it into a knot with her tongue. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> so I got the... I had the opportunity to see Batman Returns in theaters, like, a couple of years ago. It was, I think, uh... Uh, AMC was like showing it again. Right, yeah. When they were they were doing like a run of like yeah, classics, yeah, like, it was like nineties, eighties, and nineties era classics. Uh-huh. So I watched it, and like when I went in, I noticed like, oh, the screenplay writer was Daniel Waters, who also wrote Heather's, which is fantastic. Really? Mm-hmm. Which once you're older and you're watching it, 
you're like, oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Like there's so much sexual innuendo packed into that movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. So like we're at that scene and my mom's like, nope, turns it off. I'm like, but I ate the chicken. But I ate the chicken. But I ate the chicken. We had a deal, we, we had, mom. But I ate the chicken. And like, I'm, I'm five, and that's like, I don't know how to like negotiate. So, so you cry. So I cry, and she's like, okay, fine. Uh, and I watch, I have no idea what any of the sexual innuendo uh, is. Um, and I love it. It's like, it's may have had some influence on what I find sexy and not sexy, but like, that's neither here nor there. You said um, strange fetish for birds being tied to knots that I yes. still don't understand yes. to this day. It's skill. <laughs> I respect talent. So the, the reason I bring that up is because the movie we're going to discuss today was another movie that when I watched it, mm-hmm. all all of that shit went way over my head. As it did with. <laughs> as it did with Batman Returns. And as I'm looking through this director's filmography, a lot of his movies were like that. Where Because he did Adam's Family. He did Adam's Family Values. He did Men in Black. Mm-hmm. One, two, and three. Let's not forget he did the third one, but yeah. Yeah, it was I. It was I. It was fine. But there's so many moments in those. There's a scene with uh, Uncle Fester in Fe- Adam's Family Values where they're discussing what a virgin is, and I'm like, I have no, <laughs> no idea. idea. Yeah, no, that went straight over my head as a kid. I had no idea what anybody was talking yeah. about. Uh, I loved I loved those movies and just had no idea what was going on. Uh, great, so that, that brings us to the show. Welcome to Derazzled, the podcast that takes award-winning worst films and fixes them. I'm host Jack Culbertson, and here to suffer alongside me is today's guest, the perennial poet, my personal pal, Joe Pickleplantain Nealis. Howdy, partner. So if you don't know, and you shouldn't because it's our first episode, uh, all the movies on Derazzled won Worst Picture at the Razzies the year that they were released. The Razzies, for those who don't know, are something of a reverse Oscars. Uh, they recognize the worst <laughs> films of the year. With 44 to pick from, I've made wild assumptions about Joe's character and suggested we watch Wild Wild West. Honestly, not a bad assumption about my character, because as much as I am not maybe the target audience for most, uh, as like an educated person with a master's degree in literature, I'm not the, you know, the target audience uh-huh. for action films, but God, do I love them. Um, I like westerns, and I like action to like, a lesser degree. I like westerns a lot, too, and I get that from my grandfather. He loved westerns. Uh, my stepdad was big into Clint Eastwood, or is my grant for my grandfather. It was uh, it, it was it was John Wayne uh, yeah. for the most part. Uh, the original Quick and the Dead was like one of the earliest memories of seeing a western that I have. Never seen it. It's good. So is the ridiculous remake with Leonardo DiCaprio. That's got some wild editing. That's just a lot of fun. Uh, what I want to do is rewatch. Well, I've actually never seen any of these. The original Fast and the Furious. And yes. then the remake, because my understanding is they're completely different films, and we'll do the same thing with The Quick and the Dead. Ooh. I think it's a Raimi, a Raimi film, I want to say. I think you're right. Yeah, I think the remake is Raimi. So what was your first interaction with Wild Wild West? Um, the song. I think it was the it was the title theme song. The, the time I, song. I was yeah. I was very into MTV and in particular TRL at the time. Like yes. I, it was like part of my po- my part of my after school ritual coming back from middle school is I would come home, I'd put on MTV, and I would watch that while I like had a snack and like mm-hmm. started my homework, and then I would transition to cartoons after that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was so we we had like family movie night for a while and we would transition actors right so mm-hmm. like for a while it was jim carrey oh sure yeah yeah which are also movies that are deeply inappropriate for children very <laughs> and then we went to will smith like we watched i don't think we watched independence day till later but we did watch men in black well independence day was always a uh, like a constant favorite 
uh, in my, my, amongst my entire family. Like that was something that my cousin would demand we watch on repeat was, was Independence Day. He loved it. I've only watched it once, so I can't recall if it's like worth the reputation it has. Actually, yeah, it holds, uh, the original Independence Day I think holds up. But, but what I will say is Bill, Bill, no, it's not Bill Paxton. Is it? Pullman? Pullman. Thank you. Um, I always get them mixed up too. It's ridiculous. they're, They're both great. Um, They're both great. Bill Pullman was the speaker at some kind of graduate, like KCACTF, where I where I went to school, <laughs> and I, I being a little shit, like didn't go. But people were like, "James Bond, do, do the speech, do the speech on Independence Day," and he did. <laughs> and he like, did because he's, he's awesome. <laughs> but that's those Amazing. are my two associations with Independence Day. But with Wild Wild West, we we saw it. Men in Black, which I don't know how after we saw that, my specifically my mom was okay with us seeing Wild Wild West. That and the Burger King commercials. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. I- no, the Burger King toys, uh, like that whole, like that, yeah. that definitely had an impact too. I even, even like, I, I mean, I was 13 at the time of this movie or like nearing 13 at the time this movie came out and it, I still like those those commercials still got me. Not that I would go out and get like the kids meals because my family mm-hmm. would rarely ever go to Burger King, sure. but yeah, you know, I was still just coming off like the tail end of like, oh man, I got all this cool Power Rangers stuff for McDonald's. <laughs> right, right. So like that's still like in the back of my mind, like, oh that's cool. Okay. They also had like tie in so in the movie Will Smith has these distinct sunglasses. They're oval shaped. Yeah. And they had you could you could buy them for you like, could buy them. fourteen bucks in a big value I don't Oh yeah, they were in they, you could find them in department stores, like just wherever. So what we're saying is this movie was meant to be a like big blockbuster, make a bunch of money in action figures type of movie. So let's I'm gonna I'm gonna summarize the movie okay as poorly as possible. Go All for right. it, please. But like in under three minutes. All right. So Wild Wild West is a movie starring Will Smith as Jim West. It was once based upon a TV show. Uh, it opens with him and a naked lady in a water tower, but the water tower is real flimsy. It was just made really poorly, and it breaks, and then Will Smith like pours out, and there's this there's this like really close moment where they almost say the N word, but then he punches a honky in the face, so like no more N words are even mentioned. <laughs> Then we cut to Kevin Klein, who's in uh, disguise as a, a sex worker, trying to seduce uh, Bloodbath McGrath, who is uh, um, Buffalo Bill from, from Science of the Lands. Yes. And uh, shenanigans happen, and uh, Bloodbath gets away, but then like uh, Will Smith makes a joke about like boobies, and they talk to General Grant, or not General Grant, President Grant. President Grant at that point. At that point. And he's like, you guys need to work together, because you both are the only two people I know. He's a lonely, lonely <laughs> He's man. He's a lonely man. Um, and they do. They get on a big train, and the train's full of, like, all kinds of gadgets and stuff, like cartoony gadgets. And they also meet Selma Hayek, uh, who plays Rita, who plays 19 different roles. None of them make any sense. She's just there for a butt shot. Yeah, kind of. I mean, like, like, there, like, there are plot reasons for her being there, too, but they don't handle that well at all. Right, and, and I'll get to that, because that, sure. mm, that's a beef I have. Yeah. So they go to a costume party, and they meet the main villain, who is Kenneth Branagh, and wheelchair missing missing the bottom part of his body and he is just a real hoot he's like a steampunk villain he bursts out of abraham lincoln's head uh that's a pinata i should probably specify these things oh yeah it's, it's like yeah it, it's like i think of like the kind of cake you'd see a stripper burst right. out of it's an abraham lincoln but with kenneth, but with kenneth Branagh in a wheelchair Will Smith drums on a lady's boobies and then almost gets hanged. But then Kevin Klein's like, I gave you a rubber gum rope, so you're fine. Sure. And then we cut to Kenneth Branagh with this like murder tank and he like kills a bunch of Southern soldiers because they did the thing that they shouldn't have done, which is surrender at Appomattox Courthouse. And then murder train fight happens. There's a train versus train scene. There's a train versus train um, scene. Murder train fights good train. And then the they end up with these magnetic collars. Mm-hmm. 
that makes them touch each other. Um, and none of that's homophobic at all. Nope. And then there's a metaphor about a wasp and a spider that went over my head. It, it wasn't very well planned. And then, the, oh, there's a giant mechanical spider, in case you didn't know. And they, <laughs> they go to, like, fight on the spider because uh, uh, Loveless is like, well, I'm going to take over the United States with this one giant mechanical spider because it has fire and fire bad. And More he's, or less. he's going to give the the recaptured, not recaptured, but, like, the captured United States, he's going to break it up into different parts and give, like, that to France and, like, that to Mexico, blah, 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 blah. But Will Smith's like, I'm a real cool dude and I beat you with my coolness. And Kevin Klein's like, I I guess I'm still here, but I've run out of things to do with my plot. And then they do. Oh, and then Rita runs away with her husband, who's a scientist. Who we thought was her dad the entire time. For reasons? <clears throat> oh, and at then best they get, reasons. They get made, what, like special... They, they get turned into Secret Service at the end. They get, yeah, they get made Secret Service at the very end, and they ride off into the sunset on the giant mechanical spider that somehow yeah. didn't fall into the canyon and get destroyed. Yeah, I have some thoughts on that as well. So that that is the word-for-word um, -word breakdown of The Wild Wild West. Uh, sorry, Wild Wild West. The Wild Wild West was the TV show it was based on. Uh, yeah, there's no, notably no the in this right. title. Biggest um, issue so that any, we can any, quibble about. Any questions about the plot before I move on to some fun facts? Um, aside from why, no. Nope, got nothing. Fair. Uh, <laughs> so as, as we pointed out, it's based on a TV show from the 1960s, which did have some science fiction elements to it. Mild. Mild, yeah. I haven't watched a whole bunch of it, but I watched enough to, to be able to compare... And it's, uh, they do have all of those characters in it. There's Jim West, there's Artemis, last name unknown, and there's Loveless, all those things. So this is not the first time, that was not the, th the first time that the movie had been tried to made into a feature film. The first time it was attempted was by Richard Donner of Superman fame and Mel Gibson of racist fame. <laughs> um, but that, it didn't work out, so they made Maverick instead, which I have not seen. Nor have I. No, um, I'm not familiar with Maverick. Early reviews doomed this film. This was the early days of, of kind of like internet. Yeah, that, that is AOL chat rooms and uh, review boards and whatnot. And studios didn't know what to do, how to market it, and they didn't know what to do with like leaked scripts. And like the script's not great, so when it was leaked, the the people were already kind of like against it. Extremely movie. confused when people were demanding they restore the Snyder Cut. I don't, very strange. But they're not wrong. But they're wrong. But they are wrong. They're absolutely wrong. The original star of The Wild Wild West, Robert Conrad, was supposed to have a cameo, and after he read the script, he was like, nope. mm, no, no, I am good. <laughs> uh, but he did he did accept the Razzie Award. Really? For, yeah, he went to the Razzies and accepted the award for The Wild Wild West team. That kind of rules. Uh, it's That's pretty... Mm, mm -hmm. Oh my god, that's kind of an incredible flex, actually. <laughs> right? And like later Will Smith would say, like, I get it. Because he went all in on the promotion of this movie, and it was like, he hyped it up so hard, and he he really tried to embrace it as hard as he could. He was the only, I think, the only star to go on like the media blitz mm -hmm. that they went on. Like, I, like there's that Mel magazine article that you sent me, yes. where, where it details a lot of that stuff, where it's talking about how they had like three jets, like a uh, uh, Gulfstream jets I, set aside. Yeah. One of them for Will Smith and his family and entourage. One one for Barry Sonnenfeld and his people, and then one for John Peters, in case he showed up. So it's just empty. They're just burning this jet fuel to send yeah. this third Gulf liner. We'll get to this, but I'm curious. So the movie, it was one of the most expensive movies made at the time. Yeah. It's 1999. Huge effects budget. Uh, huge effects budget. It did eventually make its money back overseas, but I wonder, because Kevin Smith has talked about this, that number does not include marketing. 
Which they I think can't. about just because you're talking about all the money spent on, on jets. And I think Will Smith had like a different cowboy outfit yeah. per area. Yeah, he had. Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, he had a different unique cowboy outfit he'd wear in like mm-hmm. each country they would go to. So he had like one that would be appealing to China or yes. to or to France or wherever they were. Like it's so I, I can't imagine that if you factored in all of that stuff mm-hmm. that it made money. Maybe it broke even. I just really want to see, like, I want to see pictures yeah. of Will Smith in these various outfits, standing next to Barry Sonnenfeld, who I imagine is just schlubby. He, well, he's also very unhappy with the film, and I, I oh yeah, I think even at that point he was fucking over it. I um, can't say I blame him. <laughs> uh, so a couple more fun facts, uh, and this might be my favorite one: the Warner Brothers producers, who were also making. I want to say they were making The Matrix at the time. Yeah, ma- yeah, those. This is the same year as The Matrix. They had a surprise screening of Wild Wild West. They they let a bunch of fans in to watch The Matrix. And they're like, I gotcha. And they screened Wild Wild West instead. And the movie got booed. Because, of course, you have a bunch of sci-fi nerds who are going to see this like gritty, dark, moody uh, sci-fi piece. You don't switcheroo people like that. No, especially not those two movies. No, for God's um, sake. So it got booed, as one might expect. Good. Yeah. Uh, you, you played yourselves there, guys. Kinda Come on. Bouncing off of that, Will Smith turned down the role... Of Neo, of Neo. Mm-hmm. to be yeah. in Wild West. Uh, I think it's because he was a fan of Wild West, and he'd worked with Barry Son. He had, yeah, he had the, he had the relationship with Sonnenfeld from uh, from Men in Black, so like that makes sense. So like two two real quick last little fact factories, and uh, this one's more so that we can talk about it later during the filming process. And this isn't like entirely uncommon, but it's very noticeable in this film. But as the movie was going being filmed they didn't know the feel they were going for or like who was supposed to be the hero or who was the funny guy yep and it reminds me a lot of david Ayer's suicide squad wherein oh he shot oh my god this is the the 2016 not the upcoming one no yeah this is the the bad one (laughs) where he wanted i'm assuming based on his filmography like a gritty stark action movie and then they did the trailer, the Suicide Squad trailer with Queen as the background music. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, oh, this is a fun, funny, fun, fun movie that we're going to go see. And David Ayers in the studio were like, <laughs> no, sure. not really. I mean, just those three seconds we showed you in the trailer. So they they recut it. They reshot some shit. Uh, and I, I get the vibe that that's similarly what happened in Wild Wild West. Uh, and then the last fact I would like to share, uh, and this one's maybe a little bit more known, but... John Peters was a producer on this film. How would, how would you simplify the role of the producer, <clears throat> producer Joe? I mean, I think the irony of this is that in terms of how we typically define producer uh-huh. in our productions, we don't do it right. Um, so I think... The, Can't argue that. <laughs> my, what, I, what I've gathered is that a producer, in most cases, helps kind of guide the direction of the film a little bit. And in terms of, like... What you can and can't do, kind of vetoing or or greenlighting ideas and making sure things are staying within budget and approving things if they need to go over budget, which this film did multiple times. Oh, my God. It, it has been described as having a bottomless wallet. Yeah, which is absurd considering right. what came of it. But Peters is sometimes described as like kind of an absentee producer, which is weird to me considering the impact he had on this movie. Right. So, like, my, my in, in an ideal world, the producer is there to make sure the movie gets made and that it does well. Yes. And John Peters did neither of those things. I mean, the movie did get made, eventually. Sure. But Kevin Smith, of Dogma and Clerks fame, 
uh, tells this great story. You should look it up because he tells it way better. And I think it was, I forget which evening with Kevin Smith it mm-hmm. is. It might be evening with Kevin Smith 2, but my memory is not what it used to be. So the entire right. planet could have been destroyed. Watch I don't both know. of them. Watch both of them. They're um, fun. <laughs> who knew like listening to Kevin Smith just talk for hours and hours would be so entertaining it it can be once he gets into like the later ones like the last few that he's released oh. he just kind of he like somebody asks one question uh-huh. and he just rips on that for an hour and a half and he's like oh, i'm sorry i didn't well, get to anything else like you windbag what are you doing that's because seth rogan introduced him to pod that's exactly it yeah but no those first few though he answers like all these wild questions yeah. from people uh and he talks about the the superman movie that he was supposed to yes. be the writer for Superman Lives Superman Lives which was if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken the one that Nick Cage was supposed to play Superman that in That is correct. I so, think Tim Burton was attached to direct at one point. At one point, yes. It, just imagine this for half a second that you actually have a Tim Burton directed Kevin Smith penned film starring Nick Cage's Superman. It, I want to say that they they at least were working on a documentary of it, but it may be out already, and I I very much want to see it. I'm pretty sure you're right. There is a documentary. We should watch that at some point, though. That might be, like, bonus episode material. Yes, yeah. Um, But anyway, so John Peters was attached as as the producer for this film, and he... He asked to see a, a, an outline from Kevin Smith, and Kevin Smith at this point had no fucking idea what an outline was. So he <laughs> right. shows up. He shows up to Peter's palatial estate with like an eighty-page outline. Like, so he basically has a script as an mm-hmm. outline, hands it to him, and he's like, "What's this?" And he like he like flips through some of it, and he goes, "Okay, look, I'm going to tell you what I want from this. Superman's not going to wear that stupid suit. He's not going to fly." And he is, and he has to fight a giant mechanical spider in the third act. At least as the, yeah. as, the yeah. as Smith tells the story, if I'm not mistaken, I, the, the the first two points might be like up in the air, and I'm just kind of small right. it. No, I think you're right. That last one, like that third point, was absolutely there. Um, I, I think it was supposed to be like Toy Man fights him or something. It's like some like uh, Z-list <laughs> Superman villain. It didn't ba- happen. Back didn't in the, see that movie. Back in the days when we had the, the pre-James Gunn writing serious movies day, serious <laughs> movies days, where we didn't know how to play with goofy ass stupid properties. Yeah, you can have a goofy ass villain or character. I'm really excited to see what he does with Polka Dot Man. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I love that actor too. I <laughs> yeah, can never he's remember so his name. Good. So similarly, Neil Gaiman, has, who has, has been approached several times uh-huh. to do a Sandman film, um, uh, it was Peter John Peters again. John Peters was slated to be the producer on one of these Sandman proposed Sandman scripts, and he made the same demand. Yeah. He, he pitched the fucking mechanical spider again, and he told according again again according to this Mel magazine article, he told Neil Gaiman <laughs> that having this giant mechanical spider would make any movie a hit. Yeah, Neil Gaiman. He's t- he's telling this to Neil fucking Gaiman. It it's patently insane that he continue. Like this is a, like a running gag with him that he wants somebody to put a giant mechanical spider <laughs> in a movie. He finally he finally did it by some way. Because uh, again, going back to that Mel magazine article, the writers, like the, the actual screenwriters who are credited with pending this screenplay, uh-huh. like they, they took Peter's suggestions and they said, okay, well we're not doing that. <laughs> Right, and they wrote in a like an airship with like cannons yeah, and guns yeah, and stuff, which, but like something that seems a little bit more uh-huh. like fantastical, but like plausible, plausible, yeah. a little bit more plausible given the time and the steampunk and all that that they're doing. Yeah, I want to um, say at one point instead of uh, he was like, no, 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 giant spider won't work. What about a a stealth bomber? Oh, and they're God. like, um, this takes place like three years after the Civil War. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, how are we going to do a stealth bomber? What are you talking about? He was like nineteen ninety nine, like. 
we'd only publicly known about the Stealth Bomber for a number, like, only a couple uh, years. Uh, it was like a handful of years. Yeah. yeah. So what you should be getting out of what, what were these fun facts is that the production was a disaster, right? No, um, I should say, in regards to the giant mechanical spider, mm-hmm. the final say of that actually getting put into the script was Barry Sonnenfeld's, at least according to that article. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, because when after they had like come up with the airship replacement for it, they pitched the whole thing to, to Sonnenfeld, and he, uh-huh. and he hears about the airship, and he goes, no, I don't know about that. Uh, okay. And then, and then one of them was like, just grasping at straws, was like, well, in a previous draft, it had a giant mechanical spider. And he went, really? Tell me more about that. <laughs> So real quick, I'm going to rattle off some stats, right? These are sure. Razzie, um, Razzie stats. It won, this is from the 20th Golden Raspberries recipient of Worst Picture. Uh, it was 1999. 20th. Okay, so they've only been doing this in 79? I think 80. 80. Okay. Okay, no, that, that, that fits. I could be wrong, though. So these are just nominations. Uh, it was nominated for Worst Actor for Kevin Klein, Worst Supporting Actor for Kenneth Branagh, Worst Supporting really? Actress for Selma Hayek, Okay. and then Worst Supporting Actress again for Kevin Klein in... In, really? Yeah. They, they they gave him a supporting actress. Yeah, uh, they were they were like super classy uh, and gave. Nineties mm-hmm. <laughs> weren't terrible at all, huh? Right. So these are wins. It won worst on screen couple for Kevin Klein and Will Smith. Sure. Right. Uh, worst director for Barry Sonnenfeld. Oof, um, worst God, screenplay. God. I'm not reading all the names for worst screenplay. There's a lot. No, there's a few on. different names there, and they this ruined their careers. Yeah, like it's so sad. It was simultaneously their biggest payday and also what ended them in Hollywood. It's it, really it really sucks. It's weird that like the Screenwriters Guild is meant to protect screenwriters. So like if you mm-hmm. are the first dude in the gate, you write the first script, your your name's going to end up on the credits at some point, even if it's like, just a story by right. So. In one in one way, that's good, right? You want to receive credit for your work, but on the other hand, you could be credited for Wild Wild West. <laughs> and if there's uh, ever a situation where you want to Alan Smithy yourself as a writer, right. uh, so it also won worst original song, sure. And then a couple of numbers. Uh, the general Rotten Tomatoes score as of now is seventeen percent. The Rotten Tomatoes hmm. audience score is twenty eight percent, which is still really low. That's low. It's very low. Like I think it's fair to say this movie is like when we watched it, like. Mm-hmm. It's not as bad as I remember it being. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that mm-hmm. after. Well, our, like, like it's bad. It's but. it's bad. But I've I've also seen the list of worst picture winners for the Razzies, and it's this was a gentle introduction <laughs> to our show. It really yeah. It we're easing, we're easing everybody in. Yeah. yeah. This is and then the last score is for IMDb. It has a four point nine out of ten. That that's rough for IMDb. Yeah, I tend yeah. to lead closer to the IMDb scoring than I do. Rotten Tomatoes, but I probably wouldn't have rated it that low. Uh, welcome back to Derazzled. Uh, we Did you are... just forget the name of the show? Derazzled? <laughs> where, where am I? Uh, why am I in the basement? <laughs> uh, welcome back to Derazzled, where we do things with our mouths. <laughs> we're still working on the nuts and bolts of this. Uh, so we're le- now we're going to critique Wild Sure are, Wild yeah. West. So, so uh, what worked for you? So, honestly, for the most part, the entire opening of the film... I should preface, I have this broken up into cast, story, and themes. So what... Cast, story, and themes. What okay. did the cast work for you? Will Smith was great. I feel like this was a role... The way it was, the way this role was written, I think, really played to his strengths. I think that... Uh, I think he did a great job with it. He, w- he was funny. He was interesting. Um, I never want to see him in drag for no good reason. If you're going to put Will Smith in drag, you better have a good reason. 
and I'm, I think he could pull it off, especially in his younger years. Oh yeah, but but they, it just wasn't. It, it was just that whole. I mean, we'll cover that more. Yeah, in, yeah. you know, in a second. In the, in the what uh, not word. Uh, Kenneth Branagh was great. Oh my god, he was so he's good, so fun and engaging, and you can legitimately forget that it's Kenneth Branagh. It's yeah. like this man putting on this this thick Southern accent. <laughs> Uh, this like weird pointy well, black beard, weird pointy black or beard or whatever. Yeah, and he yeah, like this is a Shakespearean actor. This is an actual yeah. fucking Shakespearean actor, and it, you you can like does... the fact that like the casting people legitimately forgot because he showed up because Brandon was character. already he had, he had already been like attached to the project, and then he showed up to like I don't know like a costume video or whatever. Yeah, and, and he was people were like. Can we fire Branagh? This guy's great. And I was like, then Sonnenfeld had to be like, that. that is Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. <laughs> like he's, this is really him. I agree with both of those things. Even if Will Smith weren't perfect for Jim West, mm-hmm. it is a, and, and we'll get back to this, it is a Will Smith movie. It is, 100%. And I think you can see, I think like you can see how like the relationship between him and Sonnenfeld works. Uh-huh. I'd love to see them do something else. Yeah, um, yeah, I would too. Aside from you know, Men in Black, of course, which right, yeah, you know, he kills it there. But this, um, I mean, I think both he, but I think both him and Sonnenfeld struggled <laughs> at points with this movie, which some, which some of which is their own damn fault, and some of which is very much not. Uh, so, so, but you have to, you have to play the hand you're dealt, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, the only other casting I, I would say is like, no, keep that. I would keep, I would keep them. Uh, yeah, Ted, I would. Ab- Ted Levine for Bloodbath McGrath. I liked him in that yeah. role actually. I. I it like it took looking it up for me to realize that he was Buffalo yes. Bill. My God, yeah. Like I, I think I think even making that connection, like having that character parallel for that actor, uh-huh. makes him more <laughs> menacing. Like, well, the the makeup people and costume people did a really good job with him. Yeah, hundred percent. Not only is he unrecognizable as the actor that he is, but also that ear horn. Oh my is God, super gross and like it's gross. Like, it's it's both it's both disgusting and a really like genuinely awesome like Which makeup effect yeah 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 I, I don't you can't see the nuts and bolts of how that works yeah no it just good. looks like scarring like they did a really good job of making it seem like okay that's just battle damage that he suffered yeah. and that's like a last like a like a, a unique surgical fix that they had someone just do story what worked for the story as I was starting to say the opening yes. I think the the intro like the introduction of Jim West and the setting I think worked very well. Um, You're talking about the sexy water tower scene. I mean, even aside from being a sexy water tower scene, uh-huh. like yeah, like I think I think the you, like the moment of kind of terror that you get at the beginning before you oh, see them yeah. in the water tower, where it's the guy with the collar running away from the, the uh, from the saw blade. The cold open, yeah, yeah. The cold open is I think good because it gives it gives you a decent amount of information about like what to expect of this mm-hmm. world without like showing it too much of its hand or being too ham fisted or ridiculous. Yeah, and then like the introduction of Jim West, I think works very well. The moments of conflict, the moments of more direct like scripted conflict between. Will Smith and Kevin Klein's characters, I think, work throughout the whole film. Throughout, maybe not the whole film. Mm-hmm. There are bits and pieces. Like I think, like there. So the one that jumps out to me is the the scene where they are on the train for the first time and they're starting to fight, and Kevin yes. Klein knocks him onto the uh, onto the pool table that flips him over. Like Kevin Klein is a bit too cartoonish in that scene, yes. but the scene itself I think works. It establishes a good deal about how this train works, about the capabilities of Klein's character, about kind of like the struggle between these two characters. And but well, I mean, we'll get into right. more about what doesn't right. work about these things and, and later I, on. But I have that similarly, more like our themes and motifs. Mm-hmm. But their direct conflict of like his bravado, uh, Jim West's bravado, 
and uh, Artemis's expertise, expertise, his intellect, his mm-hmm. inventions, those going head to head work really well for me, mm-hmm. except for when it gets cartoonish. That's the problem. Is is when it gets cartoony, which we again we'll delve into right. more. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think what else worked for me. Uh, I think Loveless is motivations mm-hmm. and his his whole thing is great i think like the way like the way that his his mania and his obsession and is, is kind of played out it really it escalates at a nice degree up until you get a giant mechanical spider well and okay. even then it's there are only two things in the entire script i would change for loveless okay the first is we save his reveal for the Lincoln head. So, cause the first time we see, we him, do see him before that right. in the film as of right now. I, yeah, I think revealing him through that would be like, gorgeous. That'd be I'll wonderful. It, but like, I would prefer to just hear him. Cause he's got like such a distinct voice. Yes. Like just hear him. Don't even see him. We see his carriage. We hear him talk. Yeah. Vill- villainous need. shadow. Yeah. For like the, for, for like a mo for like a scene or two to like do some, you know, some spooky setting right. for him. Um, just some foreshadowing. Yeah. And then the other part is him being seduced by, he is oh a racist. God. He is a racist. Why? And why, why well, would he be attracted to? No, there is something to, there is something to be said for, ra- for racist white men subjugating, mm, no, uh, right. black female bodies or, or, you know, or female bodies of color. There is something to be, there is a historical basis for that. You, <laughs> um, you got me there. But, yeah. Not like this. He's at the moment of his triumph, and he's like, "I don't have genitalia, but I am kind of horny like, into this." I'm yeah, like I'm just about I'm just about to completely obliterate the United States uh-huh. that uh, to obliterate the Union that have ru- that ruined my dreams and carve out the entire like Midwest and Pacific Northwest for myself. <laughs> but well, I, if I had a dick, I'd, yes, hmm. yeah. Uh, aside from that, those two moments, everything with Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh, uh, Loveless works for me. Yes, absolutely. The and almost the entire costume ball hanging scene works. It's like it, to me, it's like the best structured part of the film. I think, yeah, I think the structure, like the the writing structure of that mm-hmm. scene, works up until the end. Uh, which part? I mean, the oh, you mean? That, the, I mean, this might be this might be more of an effects. Mm-hmm. gripe than anything but like the the rubber noose is just not well executed i yeah. think like, again it gets cartoonish i like that uh artemis is like let's hang him and then gives them the rope so that we know that like he structurally that does mm-hmm. work so it does show that he uh, he's more savvy than we right. maybe expect at the time and it shows their kind of like competitiveness which i do like yeah but that it's an actual literal rubber rope is i don't it's I don't too like bonkers it, right? It tells me we want to look up when like rubber was invented. Not that it meant. I mean, I mean, rubber, I mean, rubber existed. I'm fairly certain at okay. that point. I, I think. I think. Yeah. But it. I imagine it would be much harder to come by. Like you wouldn't just have it available <laughs> right. to like make a gag rope out of. Uh, and wouldn't the hangman like notice? Right. Like he'd be like tying it up the tree, and be like uh-huh. something ain't right here. Yeah. How did? Uh, it broke my suspension of disbelief. <laughs> the murder tank scene. The murder tank. Most scene. of it I, I I really like, uh, and I'll come back to that when we fix this movie. Mm-hmm. Loveless brings Bloodbath McGrath, Bloodbath McGrath, on his his fun boat, and is like, "Hey, those are your soldiers over there. Ain't those guys real cool? Let me demonstrate my weapon." And then he sends his murder tank and kills all his men. And kills all his men, which then causes Will Smith or uh, Jim West and the 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 good guys to show up. And he has this moment where he's like, oh, I recognize this carnage. This is the same thing that happened to, I want to say, New Liberty. New Liberty, yeah. And we get, like, a serious moment with him. Um, and a little bit of a serious moment with Kevin Klein. Yeah. Like, that That all works for me. And, and get, 
seeing Bloodbath McGrath is no longer the main threat of the film because he he dies in that scene. Yeah, because he is a large he is a large focus mm-hmm. of the uh, of of the protagonist's goals for for like the first yeah. like third of the movie yeah. or so. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, like it's, it's a good dramatic turning point. I thought I I I, I thought that worked too. Cool. Any anything else with the story before we move on to themes? Um, no. Uh, Jim West dealing with racism. There's a little bit like it's subtly sprinkled in. <laughs> that works for me. Yeah, like as he's like about to be hanged. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and you get a little bit in the the costume party where they're like, mm, "Why is this uh, person here?" And in a little bit, immediately following the sexy water tower scene. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, yes. So Considering the original show had, you know, some racist elements to it. Uh, the villain, the, just the, like the, thematically, the, the South Shiraz again, Confederate, the Confederacy as the villain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of wish it stayed that way. Yes. But uh, that worked. What didn't work? for you for casting unfortunately kevin klein i like him as an actor i do i do i love kevin klein's work but mm-hmm. again this mel magazine um somebody in that interviewed in that article put i think put it well is that this is a point where he is kind of losing his his star is starting to lose some of its yeah. shine he's afraid of losing his acclaim and his fame and he's trying to kind of upstage and maintain his own sense his own sense of status and i think I think that takes away from his performance. I think he would have done himself more favors just leaning into the straight man. I that, agree. Which is, you know, because he's capable of it. And I, I kind of have, like, his chemistry with Will Smith didn't click. No. So he's not he's not a bad actor. He's not. This is just not the right role for him. That's I think that's, the, that's one of the bigger problems there is, I think, because he doesn't allow himself to embrace the straight man to Will Smith's comedy, he... Um, he really hurts the relationship between the two of them, and it makes like the moments where we're supposed mm-hmm. to actually care about the relationship between the two of them just fall completely flat. I agree. We have a comment from Crimson vs. Aaron. Hell yeah, there we go. Rubber was uh, invented in 1844, so it would have been around. It would have been around. Mm-hmm. Google is free. Thank you. I hate to say this, but I, I also don't think Salma Hayek worked. I think Salma Hayek could have worked. Yes. I think that the way her character ended up I don't want to say the way her character was written because it's like, like from what we know now, mm-hmm. like the only thing that was in the screenplay that got kept was the giant mechanical spider. Right. So like, whatever butchery had been done to that script, I think ruined her character. And somehow I, I, I think I feel like like we know Salma Hayek is capable mm-hmm. of a better performance. Than yes. This. Even we that know, same year we, she did Dogma. We Yeah. We know Barry Sonnenfeld can direct women better than this. Yes. It's specifically Ugh. I have I have written Selma Hayek as morphing plot device. So anytime they needed to get from like point A to point B but there wasn't a great way to do it, they're just like I haven't been entirely truthful with you guys. Yep. Here, let me show you the, the next direction we need to move in. Uh which makes her character she's just a plot device. She yeah, she kind of she kind of becomes not quite a Deus Ex Machina for mm-hmm. them, but she does yeah, she she definitely does only kind of yeah. serve like a plot directive purpose in a lot of scenes. And just her delivery on so many different lines is so bizarre. And like I know this is I know that like this is the year she's kind of just starting to get her big break, mm-hmm. but like I don't know. Even as like a young actress, I feel like she 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 would she's capable of better. They saw her in I want to say from dusk till dawn was prior to this. I think so. And they're like, yeah, she's hot. Um, let's put her in this movie. Mm-hmm. 
Which that's kind of that's kind of what happens with a lot of the women in this movie, it seems. Yeah. Which I think is the other thing that is kind of a shame in the casting because you have all these actresses that are that are really there as eye candy in a lot of ways, and that's super highlighted by the costuming in a couple of points. Which I I love the costuming in general, but when it serves to as a as a sexist joke, I'm kind of yeah not into it. Story story that didn't work for you. <sighs> story that didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. We already talked about Will, Will Smith's belly dance. I mean, yeah, I think that I think that's the biggest thing right mm-hmm. there. Is just like that completely derails the climax of the film in a way because it's yeah. Will. It's not Will Smith outsmarting the racist and stopping him from destroying the yeah. union. It's Will. It's Will Smith doing something goofy that has a nonsense consequence or non like a nonsense reaction. I, it's not funny. It's not funny. It's, he's not good at it. It's not funny. He's not good at it. Can it's it, out of character. Can it's out of character for mm-hmm. Kenneth Branagh to react the way that he does mm-hmm. as Loveless in that moment. And also the rest of the room's just like... Just shuts up entirely. Like, we're all about to win. The bad guys are about to win. And then Will Smith shows up in drag, does a belly dance, and they're all like, like do, we, we're not going to ask where or how he got here. We're just going to stop and watch. Like, do the delegates from, like, England, France, mm-hmm. and Mexico, or whatever else, like, not want have, like, a say in this? Be like, right. hey, what the fuck? We want our land. Like, what are you, uh-huh. what are you doing? That's Jim West in drag. Like, <laughs> right, like we've the, seen the him. Everyone already knows that it's Jim West. They're just like, I don't know. I'm not going to say I haven't entertained this idea on. before. <laughs> Uh, and it's super weird to me that like it's the moment that his boobs catch fire that he's that that he immediately shouts get him. Given it's like it's very weird that like his tits catch fire. Right. Like that is a genuinely strange thing. Here's don't catch. Hmm. I mean, I'm not like a source, but like ah, okay. Jack, I keep telling you to see a doctor. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> no, we haven't fixed the gas leak. It, it felt like they they needed again. They needed to get from like point A to point B. Selma Hayek was tied up, so she couldn't do it. So mm. they're like, well, that's a funny thing people will laugh at. So they did it. They went for the cheap, yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. They went for the cheap laugh instead of, like, fixing whatever was wrong with the script yeah. to make that part work. And, you know, maybe if they had called in the actual screenwriters. Yeah, because after they turned in their draft, they were never spoken to They were to never again. spoken to again. Just, uh, and that, that kind of ties into the other thing I have, where everything passed the murder tank scene kind of just it starts getting ridiculous i'm not into it like the moment the third act kicks off it really just it's a drag it's a drag well i think like like a lot of the second act like Mm -hmm. leading up to the murder tank Mm -hmm. i think just does drag like a lot of that stuff is paced very poorly i think so yeah, I think I think that, like, there are some great moments like there in terms of like the costume party mm-hmm. and like the murder tank itself and the, the and like the dramatic aftermath after the murder tank. But like yes. there's stuff surrounding that that's just paced really badly and drags things down to a to a crawl for a little while. I, like, it, I, like we were commenting at the time when we were watching, like mm-hmm. it felt like a slog. I think primarily those were Artemis's scenes. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, and Sam Hayek's. Yeah, which is a bummer, but, but it is a bummer. But then, like, but then we get to the third act, and like, like we, like we wake up with them in the magnetic collars, uh-huh. yeah, and they're about to go run away from the uh, the saw blades that just move autonomously for some fucking reason. It's science, Joe. It's science. They uh, they knew how to make saw. They knew how to make mm-hmm. magnetic saw blades chase people with with homing missile precision. And, and, and like, I can put aside my like. This is not realistic. If the whole movie works, like if you give me something to chew on, but from the the like fallout of the murder tank onward, there's little bits that I, I'm into, and then the rest I'm just like I I just want the, the movie to end. Like I know the giant spider's coming. You foreshadowed it really really well. Let's get there. 
they they try to have a character moment following the saw blade metal necks and because of the actors and their chemistry that they've set up it doesn't work and we're just yep. waiting uh, for the movie to end i think yeah like at that point like them running away from the um from the saw blades i think is like is like the real it's where the downfall begins right like i think that's i think that that's where things like just stop being interesting they st- like it's Start, it stops being a slog and it starts being annoying because we don't give a shit about yeah. the relationship between these two dudes and we we don't we don't need to see them just like get into a bunch of like magnetized right. hom- uh, homophobic joke situations. I actually have a note in a minute about the ableist bullshit. There's a lot of ableist like, bullshit too. A like, lot of it. I mean, like giving like you made your villain a dude in a wheelchair, right? Which, like that. That there's that. But I mean, like as a war, like as somebody who involved in the Civil War, that's not out of the question. No. Like it's possible to have a disabled villain and uh-huh. have it not be like a caricature and have it not be shitty. Like you already have Bloodbath McGrath's. Drippy ear, ear. Oh, drip. and like they made they didn't make a joke about it. I think Loveless does actually, but I think Loveless actually does. Um, yeah, you can just do the drippy ear if you must, and that's enough. Like you don't need to. And Loveless himself makes the joke about not having genitals anymore. Yeah, you don't need to have the like back and forth racist jokes, ableist jokes. Yeah, like like, like the entire ending fight scene between between him and Jim West yeah. inside the spider as it's about to careen off the cliff. Yeah. Like it, it literally is just a volley of racist and ableist jokes yeah. back and forth and the first time they meet it's that way and then that last fight It really they do sandwich it that way and it's it's just fucked. Um we talked about this throughout but having two comedic leads doesn't work. Um, no, it, imagine imagine if you will, Hot Fuzz, where both Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are playing Nick Frost's character. No, no that movie work. that movie sucks. Um, not that we need to talk about this movie right now, but it's it's very similar to the the female Ghostbusters. Kinda like, like I think they tr- they tried to do a more. I think they tried to have the the main characters mm-hmm. be a bit more straight laced and and serious, but it didn't play that way unfortunately i think because you have such big comedic forces Mm -hmm. in Kristen wig and melissa mccarthy yes it really it's a little too jokey at times whereas like that was one of the biggest strengths of um what movie were they in together bridesmaids they were it was bridesmaids but they were in another movie together where she was a straight uh Kristen wig was like the straight man and and melissa Melissa mccarthy McCarthy was the the funny one was the funny one um and and that dynamic works really well that would work very well Uh, i don't know why in ghostbusters they were like no they're both the funny ones and then what's her face is the straight man kind of what's her name um well i guess oh um kate mckinnon yes i mean she has some good jokes i loved her in that movie oh yeah she's the egon 100 percent. she was such a bright spot in that movie but I mean, this is neither this here nor there. Right. The entire movie gets kind of stolen by Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's just way too good. He steals every scene he's in. So, which, if you're going to relate it to this movie, that's the Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Like, you you can't have both Will Smith and Kevin Klein making the funny jokes, the same kind of funny jokes. Mm-hmm. And that and that, that and that just creates way too much of a clash. Like, yeah. they, they're constantly at odds trying to do that. Like, the scene that we talked about that worked with, like, the pool, where we reveal how the pool table flips <laughs> yeah. over and all that. Like, so much of that scene is great. Yeah. It's visually stunning. It's re- it serves a story purpose in terms of how things operate and how that's going to come into play later. Yeah. But, like, the cartoony, like, fake kung fu noises oh and movements God, he makes that. to distract yeah. as he elbows the, um, the, the like, button. The release button. Yeah, like, too much. Will Smith coming Way in with, like, bravado and action and, like, 
headstrong, and then you have Kevin Klein using intellect, intellect, and his inventions to one up Will Smith. Mm-hmm. That works. Yeah. And then the last thing, the last theme that didn't really work for me was the love triangle. The love triangle did not work at all. I, My God, <sighs> especially whenever it's just the whole thing is blown up in the end. Like, yeah, the, the, the final punch of that love triangle yeah. is like, hey, even we knew it didn't work. Here's yeah. like we're just gonna make it so that's that's no and, longer a thing. Here's her husband. We thought it was her dad. And it makes me kind of like Jim West less because he's like, yeah, I just want a boner. And that's just what's going to happen because that's what I do. I bone, I bone in water towers. Don't worry about where that water's coming from or what you're going to do with it. I'm, I'm, I was immediately concerned about that latter point. Like, what, like <laughs> that's like the town's water supply you're it's coming kinda, in. Kinda like, do that there, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't have anything else I want to add to that. <laughs> uh, so everything oh and I do really quick I want to point out that like the train could have been a way cooler like third character almost yeah that could have been because there's not really any like this is my horse Buck and he's gonna be my best friend you don't have that in this kind of movie whereas like a lot of westerns you do so it could have been the train the train could have been like a third character it has a name the wanderer which I had to look up but it's I don't even remember that yeah it's it's in like the summary but it's just kind of like a half-assed third lead fourth yeah. lead whatever yeah it, um, it could have been so much more yeah. but. so uh, given everything we've talked about do you think it earned its uh, accolades I mean I think it I think it deserved a Razzie at least at least a nomination it mm. may not it might not have deserved to win worst picture but like it's it it certainly deserves some some uh some derision I think I think if this was a different year, it wouldn't even have been nominated. But there's just so much good stuff coming out in 99. Yeah, like looking at the other movies that were nominated, and I can't remember off the top of my head, but they're really, none of them were awful. The closest you come to a really terrible movie, in my opinion, is uh, Star Wars Episode One, <laughs> uh, which was nominated and did not win. Which is kind of astounding. Yeah. I mean... <sighs> I think I'd seen like most Ugh. of the Best Picture winners in 11 compared to other years ain't that bad yeah i think yeah when you look at when you look at that list wild wild west comes out as fine but given given the movies you have to pick from that year yes i agree it deserved to be nominated did i think it deserved to be like to basically sweep the razzies that year i don't think so I mean, I think you have a lot of recency bias in how a lot of that was cho- was mm-hmm. was chosen. His, you're, this is Will Smith at like the top of his '90s game. He's just coming off of Bad Boys and Men in Black, Day. Independence yeah. Day. Like he has driven a lot of of amazing successes over the over the past like like four or five years. Yeah. So for him to have such a flop come in, especially from a director of Sonnenfeld's yeah. caliber, because you have. I mean, given I don't, I don't actually know the critical reception off the top of my head of like the Adams Family movies around that around that um, time. If I'm not mistaken, values got kind of panned a little bit. I think so, but not not like, not like this. Not like this. No. So, well, luck, luckily there's room for improvement, and we know sure just is. how to do that. But first, <laughs> we're gonna stop for commercials. Yes, commercials and ads. I do like that ad on you. <laughs> Welcome back to Drazzled. We have finally reached the climax of our show in which we we fix it. We get to fix We get to fix this Wild Wild, wild, wild West. west. Uh, but first I have a monologue, so you're gonna have to deal with that. <laughs> but before we go pulling the film apart, I want to point out that making a film is an incredibly difficult process. I know this firsthand. And even if the film is a shameless cash grab, as this movie clearly is, 
A film employs hundreds who do their sometimes thankless jobs because they love it. Also, I'd like to read two quotes. <clears throat> Quote, remember, when people tell you there's something wrong or doesn't work for them, they are almost always right. When they tell you exactly what they think is wrong and how to fix it, they are almost always wrong. Neil Gaiman. Yeah, fair. I mean, that's, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to tell you how to fix it. But... It's good to keep in mind, we're also idiots, though. So we... <laughs> What do you mean? <laughs> uh, second quote. Quote, uh, criticism may not be agreeable, but it is necessary. It fulfills the same function as pain in the human body. It calls attention to an unhealthy state of things. Winston Churchill. Uh, I don't disagree with either of these. No. no. Uh, all right, cool, cool, cool. Uh, some, some general rules that we follow when we're fixing these. The fixed version can only have stuff that would have been available at, at the, the time. time. Yeah. So uh, the, the, we do have CGI for this film, but um, if this were like a 1960s film, we can't go and have like 80s CGI. Mm -hmm. We can only have two recastings. And the the fixed version has to follow a similar story. We can't have like Casablanca, but with Transformers. No, can't no, we? nope, we can't. Hmm. All right, Joe, what does our cast look like? Well, who who are we keeping? I think. I mean, I think we're clearly keeping um, Will Smith, Kenneth Branagh, and um, Ted, Ted, Ted Levine. Ted Levine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they are slam dunks. Absolutely keeping them. Yeah. Got to replace Kevin Klein. Yes. I, I, hate, I, have, I hate. I have a suggestion, it, but, but yes, like, I, I can't think of who at the time would be a better straight man. This who would be a, interested in doing this, right? Right. This isn't a, a perfect fit, but I I would at least be interested in seeing him read for the role. Um, Adrian Brody. Okay. Yeah. Where was his career at at that at this point of time? It, it wasn't. He hadn't done the pianist yet. Okay. But he had done major motion pictures. Like he had done a Thin Red Line. Okay, so this yeah. would be a bit of a departure for where he was at that point yes. in time. Yeah, and I am I'm definitely suggesting him based upon like later comedic works he would do, such as uh, Darjeeling Limited and I think the Bra Brothers Bloom. <laughs> so I, I know he can do the the straight man for sure. Absolutely. Would would I know that in 1999? Meh. Like I said, I'd bring him in for a read. The the other recast that I have is so we didn't mention this earlier but the sexy water tower scene it's will smith with a woman of color and i, I rewatched a little bit of this before i re re rewrote the script will smith only ever hits on non-white women in the movie is that right mm -hmm. unless you want to count him hitting on the booby drumming woman but that, that was but he, thinks like, that's kevin klein, he thinks though. that's kevin klein who's <laughs> Who's not a white woman? No, um, um, I mean he does. He does jokingly propose marriage to her <laughs> to, to save his own skin, but that, he, he hits the, on some high. He hits on his response in that moment when she goes <gasps> and he goes, "Okay, gasp means no." <laughs> is just very funny. That is objectively is, funny. That monologue he has at the hanging scene is the the best he is in the movie. Yeah, agreed. Um, <laughs> like uh, that is the Will man. Smith that I I enjoyed in Men in Black and mm. Independence Day. So I would recast. Not that she did a terrible job; she was fine. Um, I would recast her with a a white woman because it almost feels like the the writers, directors, producers, whoever were like, hmm, we can't have Will Smith, the black man, hitting on a white woman. That's interesting because mm. there is even uh, around that time. Mm. I was just reading. There's a headline that's been that's been popping up in my like recommended nonsense online. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know if it was Roland Emmerich specifically talking about this, or okay. but uh, apparently oh, Fox yeah. had Fox mm -hmm. had not wanted um, had not wanted them to cast Will Smith as the lead in Independence Day. Yeah, 
Uh, which I think what the rationale was something like cast a black eye, lose the foreign markets or something like that, which like piss off. Right, right. On several levels yeah. there. And then he went on to prove that that's horseshit. Yeah, he absolutely proved that it was garbage because that movie rules. So Pretty White Lady is what I would go with. It's not like a necessary recast, but it's... I, it might not be a necessary recast, but I think it does establish... It does establish this character kind of flying in the face of racist bullshit. Yes, and yes. especially considering the confrontation that takes place right after the, the water tower collapses. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's... I don't, I don't think that's a bad recasting necessarily. I think you could probably do one that's more consequential. Probably, probably. Mm-hmm. And the reason in, in this proposed fixed script, um, I have a lot of weaving in, like... R- r- fighting against racism elements. Sure. So I want to, like, right up front... Just put put it up, put it up yeah. there to begin with. Okay. Uh, so along with recasting Artemis with Adrian Brody, who is, like, a really great deadpan actor... He is a very good deadpan um, actor. I want to make him... He's, like, Artemis is an inventor. Mm-hmm. He is not a slightly more competent Wile E. Coyote, which is what, like, <laughs> it's I currently... That's kind of how Kevin Klein's reads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, I want the humor to derive not from his inventions, which they can. Like, there can be moments of that. Mm-hmm. But his relationship with Jim West. Like, there's not enough humor interwoven in that relationship. Specifically, I want this Artemis to have a really hard time interacting with human beings. Okay. Uh, in the sense that he he's too in his head. He's he, he's he, a bit more cloistered. Right. Like, Kevin Klein is too charismatic. Whereas, not that Adrian Brody isn't, but... He has that, like, just, he just can't, like, connect with people, hmm. um, which will come into play later when he runs into Selma Hayek. Sure. So another another change I wanted to make is he is not another agent being brought on. He is a consultant. Kind of a Q figure. He, uh, almost. Okay. I, I'm just going to read straight, right from the script. Sure. Specifically, he's a colleague to the missing scientists who are, I'm rebranding them as the... Uh, Western Altruists of Prosperity. Wow. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> what? Is there something you want to say? WAP. Adrian, Adrian Brody is a part of WAP. Please go on. <laughs> anyway, uh, so the, yeah. the the train, the Wanderer... I need you to edit that music video. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Wanderer was the last shared creation of WAP. And their last great uh, invention before the Civil War broke out. So the the inventors of WAP, uh, this is their, the the train, the Wanderer is kind of like their pride and joy. Um, and then I already talked about recasting Water Tower Sexy Lady. Mm-hmm. And then the, the other change I would make to casting and, and character is Selma Hayek's character, Rita. I don't even know what she's supposed to be in the movie originally. Just like wifey. Like, I don't know. She's just kind of there as like yeah. eye candy in like the scene where we first meet... Kevin, Kevin Klein, yeah. and then that, and then she just kind of keeps popping up. Yeah, like her purpose shifts entirely mm-hmm. too much. So what I would like to do is change her to being a Mexican sp- a spy for the Mexican military. Ooh, she still lies about who she is, and it's still like a joke that she's like, "Well, I haven't been entirely truthful up to this point." But it actually like fits. It, right. has, it serves right. a better purpose than her, just like I don't know. And her goal is specifically so she's aware that Lovelace intends to break up the United States and give off territories, mm-hmm. give away territories. Her concern is that she's going to give Mexican territory to the French, who I know very little about French history or, or Mexican history, but apparently they were dealing with Napoleon around this time and weren't buddies. Hmm. So... Is that? I don't know. I know American history pretty well, but Mexican-French history not as much. 
at, at uh, any rate, she's trying to prevent Mexico from having territory taken away. Okay. The th themes are pretty pretty simple. We already talked about them. Cut the ableist bullshit. We don't need mm -hmm. that. Um, we didn't need it then. We don't need it now. Absolutely. Um, I want to play a little bit with the racist elements, which we've talked about, but also casual racism. Hmm. Like, you can have, like, we know, at least we should know, that Loveless is a racist. Bloodbath is a racist. Those are the bad guys. But you also have these moments where Kevin Klein has, like, a casual racism. Or, like, just the way that, like, us as a society in, like, 1999 weren't great. And I want to not, like, take that out, but emphasize it so that there needs to come a point where Artemis realizes, like, oh, I've been in the wrong, treating Jim this ah, way. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, how, how, would you, how would you go about that? I'll get to it. And then the, the last kind of theme I'd like to play with, and it, again, it's another thing I've hinted at, is the competitiveness between Jim and Artemis and, like, his bravado in science, which, which like, is already kind of in there, but I want to, like, boost it. Okay. Also, Rita doesn't need to be a damsel in distress. Like, even then, that was shticky. It's absolutely shticky. Yeah. Cool. So, so getting into the story itself, keep the opening. I love the opening with the guy running through the field with the, the, the spinning razor blade. Cool, cool, cool. And I would more or less keep everything up until they end up in DC, following the the sexy water tower scene and the introduction of Artemis and Rita and Jim West, kind of like busting in. Um, and like the, the point of that scene is to show they both want bloodbath and they both fuck up because they get in each other's way. Okay. That needs to be established. Then we get to DC. Instead of this like awkward Kevin Klein is actually you know what? He can actually stay. Like he can stay if he wants to continue being Ulysses. I, I was actually gonna say I liked him as Grant. Yeah. So we may as well just keep him in that role. Like give him like give him like a like a like a guest starring gravitas kind yeah. of thing. Like it's a special appearance by Kevin Klein. If if he'll do it, absolutely. If yeah. he won't, then we'll get it. We'll get it. Kevin, let us yeah. know. Yeah, let us know, Kev. But in in that scene at DC, we get the the backstory of WAP. Um, we get to see a WAP board. Um, God damn it. <laughs> we get we get a little bit of Jim's hidden history, namely that like something happened New Liberty. Right. We don't get the full reveal, and like what I really really want to emphasize here is Bloodbath McGrath is the main villain. Right. So you want that, you want that to be the idea yeah. at this point. Like we got that little bit of like Loveless in the background early, but like well, that's it. Mm -hmm. So in hiding Loveless as the the, the actual threat when he because he kills Bloodbath. It's him. Mm -hmm. That gives him this like boost of power. Because we're expecting this big fight between Will Smith and Bloodbath. And we see that get subverted. Yeah. So, yeah, keep all that stuff. Really push the relationship, the kind of competitiveness between Artemis and Jim and, and, until we get to the turning point scene, which I, I hit really hard early on. That's the murder train or murder tank scene. Absolutely. Yeah, um, no, that, that has to stay. Yeah, like up until that point, it's mostly like a summer action comedy film. Mm -hmm. We're not changing too much of the movie, just rewriting some jokes. Yeah. Uh, but at that point, we I want to see an actual flashback of the massacre of new liberty like i want to make it real for the audience like we i want to see a somewhat younger jim west as i think he said he was like a union soldier something could be um, yeah, i think i remember that being a de being a thing we get to see the destruction of new liberty through his eyes so that we can we can connect if you're not paying attention to the dialogue at that moment you don't really connect it like that same murder tank is the same murder tank that we just saw yep so we do that uh and here we kind of realize that jim west's bravado is more of a show to kind of hide his fear. Like he's sure, sure. 
Like that bravado is not coming from nowhere. And it's also a little bit of a turning point for Artemis because he, he realizes this. And more so when he reveals that McGrath is not the main bad guy, but like Loveless is. Because up until now, like he, he just thinks Loveless is another one of the kidnapped scientists. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. He feels partially responsible because him and Loveless, as well as the rest of WAP, had a hand in the invention. Of sure. The murder tank. Okay. And to up the importance of the murder tank, the murder tank is actually the head of the spider. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I like that. So okay. Because uh, it 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 simplifies the story, and we get even we get to see like the destructive power of spider even before we meet Johnny the full spider. spider. Right. Yeah. Actually, make it a part of the plot more so than just yes. like seeing a bunch of spider imagery. Yes. Okay. Uh, so we're like right after that. We that's when we get to some high butt scene, which we don't need. Um, but this is the scene where now that they have softened on each other a little bit, Jim and Artemis, Jim can kind of like, here's how you talk to a person, a lady person, in fact, Rita. Yeah. And like we we had like what a week to come up with a new script. Yeah, something so like that. If 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 there's more time, I would I would probably spend more time developing Rita's character to give her more to play with. Um, like she wouldn't just be this like trophy that. Um, Artemis gets. Uh, I mean, she has like some goals, but she's still fairly one-dimensional. Sure. In in the fixed yeah. version. Oh, abs- uh, yeah. I, I I can't say I'm surprised. I mean, th- there's so little to yeah. work with with the way the character is presented. In in this transition scene between like action piece and action piece, we get them kind of being friendlier to each other as well as uh, Artemis just sucks with women. Yeah. So, but then we, we we do arrive at the next action scene, which is the murder train or the murder tank. Murder tank. Also train, so it's multi-use, which which is in the movie, but like if you blink, you miss it. Mm-hmm. So it's bad train versus good train. Like Artemis built most of good train, Loveless built most of bad train. Train versus train, train versus train, and it, in this scene, bad train wins. Okay, uh, okay. Like, I don't want to have Loveless take the good train, which is what happens in the movie. Right. I want him to blow it to smithereens. This is like okay. the death of a character that we care right, about. Right, because you've already established you want to make uh, the Wanderer more present. Right. More involved right. and more more important to the to the characters. Oh. Uh, okay. Like Artemis has more of an emotional attachment to train. Good sure. Uh, so like in that scene, you know, we lose we lose a Wanderer. I think this happens in the film. Rita betrays... No, I think she's a mistake. But like Rita is like, uh, JK, I'm actually also a bad guy. I wasn't being entirely honest with you. I'm a... Sp- a spy for Loveless. Yeah, no, that didn't happen in the movie. just, like, taken. Well, no, she does the stupid thing and activates one of the sleeping gas <sighs> things. That's right. Apropos of nothing in a enclosed space. Like... So she, she double-crosses the good guys. They even take the conductor, whose name I cannot remember. Yeah. Or can't remember. So th- I want this to be, like, a low point for Jim and Artemis. So that when we they wake up and they have the magnetic collars... You keep the physical comedy, though less homophobic. Yeah. But you have the physical comedy, but the emotion behind it is more honest. You have, they're both angry at each other. They both blame each other for the events that just occurred of the train getting destroyed, Rita betraying them. Okay. So that, like, they have to work through their frustration with each other rather than just, like, I guess that wasp fucked that tarantula. I'm, I'm a little confused on that scene. <laughs> <laughs> and that means we're friends now. Uh, 
Because we watched porn together. Bug porn. Bug porn. <laughs> it was a weird scene. I think they were trying. They were trying for something deeper there, but like, yeah. there's just no like. They dove into the shallow end <laughs> and hit their head a little bit. I think. Yes. So, and I do like the scene, like them surrounded by a campfire. They've mm-hmm. gotten out of the mechanical collars. Um. So, like, Jim gets to understand, like, oh, your life is harder, Jim, because you are a black man and the west in 1868 yeah and jim's kind of already aware of it but he like he respects artemis through through getting them out of the collars and also like his intellect that's a lot for a socially awkward white dude to a, to kind of like accept yes. and like openly state at that point in time like so you, you know i kind of follow um the hero's journey mm-hmm. uh so this is that moment where like we are now spun into the climax but the characters have Higher stake, but also more respect for each other. Sure. So there's a bit of yada yada ing because the the movie doesn't make sense a lot in this. Part. No. So, so they they do get to the industrial complex. They see the murder tank combine with a giant spider, mm-hmm. and Artemis succeeds in finding the missing scientists, only to immediately see them burnt smithereens because this giant mechanical spider needs to test its fiery jets. Ah, okay. So he's like, well. Well, shit. shit. Yeah. So and now it becomes stop. The, the goal now becomes stopping Loveless and right. his 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 murder machine. Yes. Uh, so yada yada yada. The giant mechanical spider, along with the remnants of the Confederate army, because in this version, the South shall rise again, are about to overtake the capital. I made a slight change. Overtake the capital. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so we're venturing back to DC here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like I I like the that they had the fight. I think it was Utah with the the spike. Yeah. Like, yep. Historically, that's interesting, but the Once Upon a Time in the West did it better anyway. So we're just going to go back to the capital, where the South tries to overthrow the capital for reasons. For reasons that may be relevant. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, isn't I mean for someone like Loveless, isn't isn't the reason enough to like to destroy the Union oh, right. and no, enable no, his plan to divvy everything up? Yeah, we just have to make it that. President Grant did not go to Utah. He's just still in Washington. Okay. So the South goes to, these racists go to overthrow the Capitol for the first and only time in history. And Rita double-double crosses Loveless, freeing Artemis. Okay. Uh, So we just cut that entire belly dance scene. Like, she just does it. Thank God. Yeah. no, I I like that 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 both gives um that gives Rita some more to do mm-hmm. and also eliminates what the easily the worst moment in the entire fucking movie. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, I wanted to give like each of the three main characters something to do in this this last act. Uh, so I have fight stuff happens. Fight stuff happens. Okay. Um, and in fight stuff happens, Spider catches important building on fire. Congress, perhaps. They have it coming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in fight stuff happens. Jim West gets knocked into the innards of the spider, which which happens in the film. <laughs> but instead of him fighting mechanics like James Bond fodder rejects, yeah, he sees he doesn't fight anybody. He sees that black men are made to make the spider function. It's a metaphor. Interesting. So so uh, elaborate on that a little bit more. So in the, in the film, there's just like white southern soldiers i assume they're just like people who had uh lost a limb or something in in the civil war and then they like operate the spider and then when jim west shows up they just like fight him and it's just like a fight scene it's really boring but in this version he doesn't he he gets knocked into the spider's innards but instead of fighting anybody he sees that black men are being made to operate the so they're so they're so they're being treated as slaves again yes. inside the spider in order to to keep the machine moving correct okay i got gotcha. you yeah that that's dark 
that is dark as fuck right there. Yeah, I mean, we don't spell it out. Sure. It's just more of like a look and like a know a knowing, like a look of recognition, like, oh. But yeah, I mean, this is definitely a little darker version. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, but, uh, but I'm guessing the idea is that Will Smith frees these, oh, uh, yes. fr- yeah, frees oh, these people, sure. which is great. Well, he's trying to, but then, how did I write it? Oh, Mecha Steampunk Wheelchair? Yeah. Loveless, as he does in the film, comes in his Mecha Steampunk Wheelchair, and fight stuff happens. Sure. So that's happening. Um, meanwhile, we also have Artemis fighting. Instead of, I don't even know who he fights in the movie, but I have him fighting the Loveless's Amazon Lady Army, which is a metaphor mm-hmm. for his impotence around women. That fits. Yeah. It absolutely fits. Uh, mean, 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 meanwhile... Rita captures the visiting foreign military leaders, which doesn't happen in the film. They're just, like, never spoken of again. Yeah, they always forget that any of these people were here. Uh, this is No, this isn't an act, obvious act of war or right, anything. Right. So I want her, her to, like, I'm going to go ahead and... Because her, her whole thing is to keep uh, Mexican land from being given to these foreign leaders. Right. She has to succeed in her mission. Mm-hmm. As the fight progresses, uh, we come to, like, a similar tableau of Jim and Lovelace hanging out the side of the spider, like... Instead of it being a canyon, it's going to be that Congress on fire. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Except for, instead of Jim West hanging off of the wheelchair, Loveless is. Jim is not. Jim's still in the spider. Mm-hmm. He's still more or less safe. Um, but he tries to save Loveless. He's like, give me give me your hand, you old racist. But Loveless's racism runs too deep to be saved. Does he let hand. himself go? Yeah. Okay. Uh, stumbling into the flames of democracy. Huh. And then here's, I didn't really know what to do after this because the movie ends so abruptly. So I just wrote, Rita rides off in the sunset with a giant mechanical spider. <laughs> just yourself. Hmm. Um, and, and Jim and Artemis are, are made the... They stay in Washington and are made Secret Service. Yeah, and it runs directly into the show. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think the one problem I have with that is, um, I guess the rest of the film setting-wise, like, mm-hmm. where, like... How are we are we making adjustments for that, and and what does it take for them to follow Loveless to Washington to make this happen? Because I do agree mm-hmm. that is where the climax should take place. Because mm-hmm. when we were doing our watch through, like we had the realization is like don't like Congress still exists, right. like yeah. like not like you've done nothing here. You like, can capture uh, President Grant, and you can even kill him, but that's not going to stop the country from being. No, like he has a vice president. There's yeah. a line of succession. What are you doing? <laughs> we've We've thought that much through, at least. Yeah. Yeah, no, I... And and that's very much the, like, yada, yada, yada. Like, how do we get from what wherever they... I don't even know where they are. Um, Utah or Wyoming or whatever. To D.C. Especially because I've had Train get murdered. Maybe you did can, have Train get murdered. Maybe there can be, like, a... But the but the train survived. Like, just the head of it. Like, a return of Dead Train. <laughs> they just have the engine remaining. They just have the engine So they don't remaining. have any gadgets or anything, but they have... Right. Tr- but they have transport. Yes. That could be it. That that could potentially mm-hmm. be it. Or giant mechanical wasp. Oh, that's way too much to throw together right then and there. Yes. Um or penny farthing. <laughs> Regular or bonus? Uh bonus. Okay. Like motorcycle okay. penny motorcycle farthings. Motorcycle like penny farthings. <laughs> Uh, as much as I hate the damn thing in the movie because uh-huh. it's stupid. You know, like in coming up with this fixed version, I had to very I'd be I'd be firm with myself because there's how I would fix it as a director mm-hmm. and then there's how I would fix it for the movie. Sure. Because, like, I would go full knife pricker on this if I had a chance. <laughs> like, 
Will, Jim, Will Smith and now Adrian Brody are like way too competent for the kind of story I would tell. Sure. Like they would be way dumber in my version. <laughs> and yeah. Rita would be so competent. She'd be the most competent person easily. And yeah, every guy in the movie would be just dumb as fuck. But Loveless would say the same. Like, he is, he is just ready no, he's to be too, a knife breaker. He's, oh, he is, like, right on the cusp there, isn't he? Yeah. Like, all that would need to change is his, his wheelchair would need to, like, run on farts or something. And he's, he's a knife breaker villain. <laughs> Now, we did, we th- did talk about that, didn't we? Did we yeah, I think we did talk about, about right. that in for the watch along. For those who don't know, a knife breaker is a short film that Joe and I watch. Or, or well, we, we do end up watching we it do a lot watch too. But... A lot. Uh, we created some years ago. I eventually do want to do like a watch along with. Oh my god, knife breaker! That'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be very fun. Um, but it's a, it's a rather silly film, and uh, sillier than Wild Wild West. Yes. Um, so, what do we think of the fixed version? I think the fixed version's very good. Mm-hmm. I think overall, like the, I, I, I mean, if we were actually fleshing this out into a script, mm-hmm. I'd like to see more explanation for the yada 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 bits. Right, but right, right, right. overall, I think this has a lot more impact, a lot more punch. It fixes a lot of the character and relationship issues that we're seeing in you know the movie as it exists. There's one okay. problem, just one, and it's John Peters. Fuck. That we, we, like, You're right. This version doesn't do anything about John Peters, unfortunately. Because we, we can write a really good script, but if you give it to John Peters, the man... Something, who, something bad's going something to happen. Something bad's going to happen. So I was curious about like who else was producing action films at you know, this point in time. Like, what are some of the... So I, I did some research into what were like some of the best action films from you know, from the 90s. I'm interested. Uh, and so I basically I ended up putting together a list comp- uh, after comparing two listicles, one from Collider and one from Screen Rant, I think. Okay. So I have, have sets of uh, of producers here. So first I have Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer, who produced okay. The Rock in 1996. Uh, John McTiernan and Michael Tadcross. Tadros? I, I can't read my own handwriting. Who did Die Hard with a Vengeance, 1995. I've only seen the original. Actually, same, but uh, but everything that I've... Or a lot of what I've read about mm-hmm. that particular movie is that it is a um, a refreshing deviation okay. from the... Because okay. uh, apparently Die Hard 2 was too much of a retread. Like, it was too much ah, of the I same see, thing again. Okay. And this one kind of puts him out of his element a bit more. And you get to pair him with Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Okay. So I, I want to watch this movie. Yeah. We have... Howard Baldwin and uh, Moshe Diamant, who produced Sudden Death in 1995. Okay. Uh, this is a hell of a name. Buzz Feitschens. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ronald Shusett, who did Total Recall, 1990. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of them right here. Uh, David Permit, Barry M. Osborne, Terrence Chong, and, and Christopher Godsick, who produced Face Off in 1997. Uh, Doug Claiborne and David Foster, who produced, who produced The Mask of Zorro in 98. Oh, I did like that movie. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deborah Hill and Kurt Russell, who produced Escape from L.A. Uh, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, And um, and only person I have to repeat on my list here is, uh-huh. oddly enough, it kind of hurts to do this, because uh-huh. it's Jerry Bruckheimer, this time for Con Air. You know, there there's a couple of good ones on there. Um, I'm going to have to, for their sake, release. Was it Deborah? I forget her name. Deborah and Kurt Russell for for Escape from L.A. Yeah, De- because, uh, Deborah Hill and Kurt Russell. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Um, Deborah Hill and Kurt Russell. Just because that is a really, it, it is, it does not hold up at all. It's really, really bad. Just watch Escape from New York. It's so much better. Fair. However, th- there were several that I did leave off of this list uh-huh. just because 
I think I don't think they would have t- ever touched this with like uh-huh. a thirty foot pole, right. which is like basically anybody <laughs> right. involved with the Terminator franchise. Um, uh, I didn't, you know, I probably should have included the producers for um, Men in Black. Now that I think about it, yeah, I want to see if those, that was also John Peters or not. But if off this list, I would either go with the people who made Mask of Zorro or the people who made The Rock. I think, yeah, well, fucking Bruckheimer. I mean, yeah, I mean, he knows, he knows his stuff. He does know some stuff. He, I mean, he's made some horrible garbage alongside Michael Bay, but that, like, The Rock is not mm-hmm. that. Like, The Rock no. is probably, like, one of the only good Michael Bay films out there. <laughs> but yeah, no, that one, that one's excellent. Um, yeah, Doug Claiborne and David Foster for Mask of, Z- Mask of Zorro. I think if just for, like, setting right and like like knowing how to knowing what to do to make a movie work in that yeah. time and for them being that active so close to the release of this one i think that that could be a good fit and we can we can if uh kevin klein rejects our offer for him to be president ulysses s grant anthony Maybe. hopkins can step in and not that he would fit the role whatsoever but that means he would have played not only ulysses s grant but also richard nixon oh hmm. there we just fixed the movie this was fixed <laughs> So, we've done the thing, we fixed the movie, it is really, really good now. What Rotten Tomatoes score would you give it? Oof. Um, Rotten Tomatoes... Mm-hmm. I... Oh, man. I think we've probably upped this to at least, like, a... think maybe a 60? Okay. You think, yeah. may, you think maybe it's not that fresh. Much? I don't think I don't think it would I don't think it would hit certified fresh necessarily, mm-hmm. but I don't think it would be... I don't think it would be the, fa- the failure that it is right. now. It's like, definitely something that... When I dig through my box of toys and I find my Wild Wild West mechanical spider from Burger King, it's a happier memory. <laughs> uh, as far as IMDb, I would give it probably like a 6.8. That's about where I was leaning. I was going to say like somewhere between a 6.5 and a Which 7. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. Like I, I, An IMDb rating, I would say like if it's if it's close to a 7 or above a 7, mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, I'd give that a, I'd give, I'd give that yeah. a shot. When it's below a six, I'm like. When it's below a six, like you know, it's gonna probably, yeah, it's probably gonna be terrible at that point. Um, Uh, A thought did cross my mind mm -hmm. here, though, as as I was going through the list of producers, um, which of them would actually allow the giant spider to come into existence? Because if that's like that's already been established as like a Mm -hmm. John Peters trope Mm -hmm. at this point. I don't think Bruckheimer would allow it. You don't think Bruckheimer would allow it? I think he. I I was thinking he might be the only one on the list that would allow it. Yeah, you know, given, given, right, given right. I'm thinking, I'm thinking ahead to like, like Transformers stuff that he's done yeah. with Michael Bay and, and and whatnot. But like, he, this could have been like the first foray for him to like experiment with that kind of stuff. Like maybe he's just heard of what steampunk is, <laughs> and like I don't know, got bit by a spider or if, something. If he's the producer who allowed giant mechanical nuts on a Transformer, then I he there's would, a rationale. Jerry Bruckheimer is the new yeah, producer no, of this Jerry, film. Congratulations, Jerry. Uh, I look forward to seeing the final product. Joe. Yes. Thank you for suffering alongside me. It's uh, <laughs> a joy as always. Where, where can people find you? I'm on the Instagrams at JM Nealis. I am nowhere else currently. <laughs> Great. Uh, especially as we're still kind of figuring out like what to do. Uh, we haven't, I don't think we've really talked about what to do social wise for this show. You can find me at Double Jack <laughs> uh, on the socials, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, what have you, Twitch. Don't forget to subscribe to Drazzled, and uh, we promise to... We promise to razzle-dazzle you. Yeah, we do. Fucking hell. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us. Uh, All rights reserved to Joe. Just Joe and not me. He's entirely responsible. I don't know how that happened, but I don't make the rules.